So today we, we finish up this series about the life and death, power of sex and romance, and understanding that these areas are so important, that they, they hit so many parts of our life that we can't afford to look at them frivolously. We need to carefully live now, to live wisely now. And so that's what we've been talking about for the last number of weeks, um, that you can prevent and that you can treat sexual scars by careful living today. You can prevent them and you can treat them. And both of those things happen as we live carefully with a, with a mind towards heaven, with our eyes up on Jesus. And so even though we're living in this left-right world where people think that it's just about what feels good for right now and what are my friends doing and what, what do I want to do in this moment here, we pause to choose and look up and live right, to live right in God's sight that we would swipe right in this digital world where we're uh, constantly touching screens and making decisions and we're, we're doing things and we're seeing things and we're going places that we would live before God in the whole thing and that we would, we would seek to break that fourth wall and realize that God is always with us. He's always there. He's always watching. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And now, admittedly, up until this point, we have been looking at this series in much more of a prevention side than on the side of cure. And that's for good reason, because maybe you've heard that an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And so we've taken a lot of time to focus on prevention, because to those who haven't yet made these decisions, it's much easier to build a boy or to build a girl than it is to fix a man or to fix a woman. And so we've been skewing heavy on prevention. But I imagine that in the nature of the plan that we've put in place, the, the, the plan of attack that we have that would potentially lend itself to, to some of you feeling discouragement for uh, coming in contact with this material. But let me just remind you that your life's not over yet. And you know what? Just because it would have been better doesn't mean that it's too late now. It's always better to do things God's way. And yet, God can always make a way where there is no way if we didn't do things His way. There is the temptation to reconcile and say, well, you know what, hey, I, uh, I, I already did it. It's one and done. Uh, I blew it. That's that. Story's over. Gone with the show. Or, or people can also say, you know what, since, since God can forgive, then what does it matter what we do? We can just sin all we want and then ask Him for forgiveness later. But it's always better to do things God's way. No matter where you are at today and how calcified the things feel in your life from not doing things like you wanted to do, there is life and there is power and there is forgiveness. So let me tell you something. In your heart today, if you feel a sadness and a regret, you feel a loneliness or an emptiness, you feel almost dead inside, hollow, maybe somewhat numb because of what you've done, because of the choices that you've made, because of what's happened. If you could go back and you could speak to yourself in the past, you would not make a lot of the decisions that you have made. Well, I got something to say to you today about God, our God, who can make streams in the desert. He can make 
paths in the wilderness because the same power that comes from God to give us a word that speaks about prevention, it also has the same to speak about cure. Jesus never makes us choose just one. He's got prevention and he's got cure to offer. And today our title is Magic Beans and the In-Betweens. One of my favorite episodes of The Office is when Jim sells Dwight magic beans, but they're not called magic beans. And this has been a great spot for you to try and remember. What are they called? Do you remember what these things are called? If you do, you can type it in. They were called Professor Copperfield's, anybody? Professor Copperfield's Miracle Legumes. And Dwight's getting so excited. He's watering the beans, and then he leaves for the night. And then Jim sneaks in, and he brings in full-grown plants, and, and that's just how the episode ends. And you can just imagine Dwight coming in the next day, excited about what these magic beans or miracle legumes have been doing in the night. And then finding those plants the next morning, he's going to be excited as he imagines what it's going to be like to climb up the beanstalk. And so that takes us, of course, to Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. That's where we're going to start. And if you've been around into one uh, at all through, through uh, much time, you will have heard this verse before. It's a key principle of ours since the beginning of into one. It's in our DNA. Galatians 6, 9. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if, it's qualifier, if we do not lose heart. And I had the chance to visit Thailand a number of years ago, and I'll never forget this one night in this one street in Phuket. And as the night went on, the activity on the street increased, and it intensified, and it altered. And at the entrance to the street, there were uh, glowing, flying, throwing toys that you might expect to see like at an amusement park or, or at a circus, stuff to, to, to get attention, to, to bring in people, to entertain kids, but also to make it look like something more was going on, stuff to grab your attention. Ah, come over and look. And there were crowds of people on this street, and most of the businesses either had their doors open, their windows open, or the whole wall was open to the street. Lots of lights, lots of music, lots of movement, lots of dancers, lots of police, at least at the beginning of the street, but, but on the street, None. And then people, men and women, would approach you directly on the street. They would just come right up to you with what appeared to be a, a big printed menu card. And it looked like there were pictures with descriptions. And, and all throughout our Thailand experience, both in Bangkok and in Chiang Mai, we, we had seen so many street vendors, and especially food vendors, that we didn't really think too much of it. But surely it's, it's a little odd that they come right up to you in the middle of the street with an illustrated menu. But hey, you know what? They're just entrepreneurs, right? They're just trying to promote their business. Well, yes and no. Yes, they were trying to promote their business. No, they were not food vendors. The cards that they pushed right in front of you and then blocked your progress with were an illustrated guide to the different services they would help you to procure. Some were about drinking and drinking offers. Some were about gambling opportunities. But most were about, at one level or another, 
sexual experiences. Would you like this one? Maybe you want this one, yes? And the images were uncensored and they were very graphic. There was no doubt what was involved. Maybe you want some of this one, yes? It was an eye-opening experience. That street, that one street housed so much crime and darkness and human suffering and human depravity all at once. And it was so fast, so close, and so unlike Stovall. And it was all legal, or legal enough. The police didn't interfere unless there was an issue regarding unpaid bills. And upon later reflection, it reminded me of stories that I've heard or stories that I've read. One from a Tom Clancy novel called Threat Vector. And on the streets of Shanghai, other cities, especially at night, but it's also possible in the day, um, people snake through the crowd. They sort of slither up beside you and you, you're, you're kind of minding your own business. You're looking around, taking in the scene, seeing what it's like. And all of a sudden, someone is like just right there, right beside you. And then you'd hear these words whispered in your ear. Sexy massage? Sexy massage? And they would repeat this, and their eyebrows go, of course, up. And it could be a guy, it could be a girl. They weren't using code at all. Has anybody ever heard of a honey trap? This could very well be a honey trap. A quick summary, prostitution is illegal in China, and what they're offering you is essentially prostitution. It's sexual experience for money. And so what will happen, or can potentially happen sometimes, is that halfway through your sexy massage, all of a sudden the door will burst open, a door that you didn't even know was there, and then there were a bunch of guys who are going to pile into the room greeting you there, and they'll have recorded the experience, and then they will proceed to blackmail you. They'll, they'll say, what you have done is illegal in our country, and we're going to report you unless you walk with us right now to an ATM machine and make a large withdrawal. And of course, then the uh, married businessman has a very difficult choice to make. What do I do? Do I let this happen? Do we continue to let this go? How do I explain this to my wife? Or do I go to a Chinese prison and never see my family again? Very much a trap. And as I'm thinking about all this, I could not help but think about a guy from Scripture. Can you guess who I'm thinking of? Can you guess who I'm thinking of? A guy from Scripture. His name was Samson. Because Samson, man, he fell for a honey trap in Delilah if there ever was one. You know what? He got out of that experience and, and, and what he had just traded for, for just that little bit of pleasure that was so short-lived, and it cost him so much. It just, it just made me feel like I had this sickening sensation in my stomach thinking about how this plays out, and it plays out so frequently. I don't know if you know who Samson is. Uh, but he's, he's a big name in the Bible. His story is really kind of famous. It comes up a lot. Samson and Delilah. Uh, this guy was so strong. God gave him supernatural strength. And from his youngest days, he had this oath that he had, he had taken that he wouldn't taste alcohol, the fruit of the vine, or anything that was dead, and he wouldn't cut his hair. 
It was called a Nazarite vow. And as it was a symbol of a dedication to God. It was, he was supposed to let his hair grow. No razor would ever touch it. And so he had this long hair. And he was supposed to be a person with a heart just abandoned to God. And because of the incredible strength that God had caused him to have, he couldn't be taken out on the battlefield for anything. Nobody could take him out. It didn't matter who he went up against. It didn't matter how many people were there. No matter how many guys attacked him. It could be 10, 20, 50, 100. It didn't matter. So the devil changed his strategy. You see, if your enemy can't take you out of God's hand on the battlefield, he'll do it in the bedroom. Or he'll do it in the boardroom. He'll get you to compromise in one way or another. If, if that doesn't work, next plan. And they just keep coming. And he'll keep testing for decayed wood, just like a woodpecker. Nope, not over here. Okay, we'll go over here. He's looking for a soft spot. He's looking for a weakness. And that's why the authors of Scripture, they remind us to not be ignorant of Satan's devices. Because if the lust of the flesh doesn't work, we'll just go to the lust of the eyes. If the lust of the eyes doesn't work, well, we'll just go to the pride of life. And at the moment, we start to believe that we're strong. I've got this. I've got this one area all shored up. I'm so strong on the battlefield. Well, then he's getting ready to come at us from a different angle. And that's what happened in Samson's case. And we're going to jump into that story. Judges chapter 16, 19. It's close to the end of things. We're just going to join him there. Verse 19, Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap. And then she called in a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair. And in this way, she began to bring him down and his strength left him. Verse 20, and then he cried out, she cried out, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. They're come to capture you. And when he woke up, he thought, you know what? I'm super strong. I'm good. I will do as before and shake myself free. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. 21. So the Philistines captured him and they gouged out his eyes. And they took him to Gaza where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in the prison. And you can't help but feel just a palpable sense of Samson's despair. Maybe you're listening today in some way, small or large, you can relate to Samson. Was it the sacrifice that your mom and dad made to get you into the school that you squandered when you got kicked out? Was it you running out on your husband or your wife and the affair eventually being exposed so it cost you your family? your home life, all that stuff that you really appreciated and it all just seems like it's evaporating right before your eyes going up in thin air? Was it the drug addiction that caused your family to not believe anything or to trust you with anything that you would say? Or was it the decision that you made in that, that moment over here, in that moment that seemed so important that ended up with an STD over here or pregnant at 15, you know, I don't know what it was for you. I don't know what you've gone through that makes you feel today like there's no hope for you. 
And especially as we spend these weeks talking about what God's plan for sex looks like and what these days could look like and God intended for them to look like originally, all that you feel is like Samson here in this moment. You've given up so much in exchange for so little. You've traded things that were ultimate for stuff that was instant. You cared more about feeling good here than by being used by God forever in this area. And as you stand there feeling betrayed and wanting a refund on that sin, wanting to take back things that you can't take back anymore just because now you feel like you're, you're damaged goods. Who could want you now? How could God possibly use you now? You just feel filthy. You feel like you're a hot mess. And maybe you could sink so low that you even feel like suicide is a viable way out. Like there's, there's just no point to me anymore. And if that's how you feel, I want you to know there's good news for both you and for Samson. The hair that is cut can grow back again. And I just want to tell you that. Like when we look at the next verse, verse 22, the most powerful statement to me, it's just that it fills my heart with hope as I speak it to you now. 22, but before long, his hair began to grow back. What a beautiful symbol, a beautiful picture of that relationship with God. And I want you to know that as, as you long in your heart, as long as you, you have that beat in your chest, there remains hope of a brighter tomorrow. And the cross of Jesus Christ can overwhelm the darkest day, the darkest thing, the darkest stain. I want you to understand that as long as it's called today, you can still choose to wake up. You can still choose to look up. You can still choose to go eyes up. God's not done with you yet. He's not mad at you. He's mad about you. He has plans for you and he declares them over you. He loves you. He sees you. You're not damaged goods. You're not too messed up. Because God, our God, specializes in redemption stories. And that's what I want to talk to you about. I believe with all my heart that in your situation, whatever your situation, there can be forgiveness. There can be healing. There can even in some cases be restoration and a trust that can be built once again. And even in those situations where a consequence does remain, I want you to understand that even when consequences remain, God can use them for his kingdom along with you. He can give you value again. Bring glory to him that does help to change the world. To the point that eventually, you, you, you eventually will look back on those things and say, what the devil meant for evil, God is using and continue to use for good. And even though those things, uh, were, were, when Samson's case, his eyes did not grow back, his hair did, and his hair was the symbol of the connection. And when the, the consequences do remain, that God can bring greater praise out of your darkest days than you can ever imagine. I want that to be hope. I want that to be like a boy in the water that you can cling to. I want you to believe it and, and, and to act on it. If you've made a decision that for a moment you, and you sat on Delilah's lap and it cost you and it cost you so much and you felt betrayed and you felt sick to your stomach, Max Lucado, he wrote this. 
You'll get through this. It won't be painless and it won't be quick. But God will use this mess for good. So don't be foolish or naive, <coughs> but don't despair either. With God's help, you'll get through this. You'll get through this and don't believe the lie that it's all over. Don't believe the lie that this mess can't ever be turned around. You can get through this. You can overcome. You can bear up under and you can come through. But what's it going to take? It's going to take you not growing weary. It's going to take you not losing heart. It's going to take you not giving up. And there are two steps at a, at a place like we're, we're here where it seems so bleak, at a place where it seems almost impossible. And Paul here, he speaks to the Galatians, and, and God through his Holy Spirit speaks this word to you right now. Where you're at, don't despair. Don't lose heart. Don't grow weary doing good. Why not? Because seeds start small. What I have here is a package of radishes. Well, seeds for radishes. And no matter how big the plant is, even like a giant oak tree starts from a little seed called an acorn. But these radish seeds, they are so little. It's amazing to think what comes out of this little package. It's tiny now, but it could become bigger later. And Jesus told the story about a mustard seed. A mustard seed is not the smallest, but it is one of the smallest seeds that exists. But it grows to become one of the largest garden plants. Now why? Why did Jesus choose to use the mustard seed as a picture of faith? Because he knew that God, through faith, can transform something tiny into something that's massive. All seeds start small. And eventually what's tiny today can become massive down the road. And that's why we have to understand little things can become big for both good and for evil. We're talking about Samson and, and how he eventually did something that cost him just about everything. He lost his eyes and he goes on. At the end, he loses his life. But what I really like learning from Old Testament characters is that we can learn from both their pleasures and their pain. We get to see what stories look like as they're lived out. We can learn from their pitfalls and their mountaintops, their valleys and the mountaintops. <laughs> and while it's easy to talk about Delilah and what she did, I, I see the seeds of Samson's descent much sooner than that. Throughout the story, there are all kinds of places. I see uh, in it where he didn't catch the little foxes, which is kind of a funny thing to say because he actually did catch the little foxes and then he set crops on fire because he tied burning torches to their tails and let them loose in the fields. But that would just be kind of like a really nerdy Bible joke right there, but when I, when I say he didn't catch the foxes, I mean it like we talked about last week in episode four. We read that we need to catch the little foxes that impact how things grow up because they eat the buds and that will prevent the harvest. And we're talking about a harvest, right? We're talking about things that we want to grow. This is our harvest of righteousness that we're talking about. And if we don't catch those little foxes, like Samson didn't catch the little metaphorical foxes 
even though he did catch the physical foxes. What am I talking? Do you remember, do you remember that, the vow that I told you about, the Nazarite vow at the beginning? Yeah? Where Samson wasn't supposed to drink the fruit of the vine, any alcohol. He wasn't supposed to touch anything that was dead. And he wasn't supposed to cut his hair. Now, to the best of our understanding, while we can see Samson straying in all kinds of places, it seems like he did manage to keep these things. Except what you do throughout the stories, you watch him flirt with danger. There's a day when we read about when he's going for a walk and he takes a shortcut and he goes through a vineyard. Just let me ask you a question. What's a guy who's not supposed to drink the fruit of the vine doing walking through a vineyard? I mean, if you're avoiding alcohol and the fruit of the vine, why would you be hanging out in a vineyard? You, you see him making unwise choices and, and then in kind of a justifying it kind of way. Well, of course I can be here. Why can't I be here? I'm not going to drink anything, right? I just like to hang out here. But you start to see Samson basically, um, you know, toe in the edge, getting up to it as close as he can, riding the line where he can get as close to it as he can. Have you ever done that? Have you ever thought about how close you could come to sinning without sinning? Come on. Of course you have. Then, then another day where, where Samson, he's out and he sees a dead lion that he had actually killed in a previous battle. And he, and he got up real close to this dead lion, close enough to see that there, some, boob, some bees had moved in and made a beehive. And, and the beehive was inside the dead lion. And Samson got close enough to the dead lion to see that there was honey in the beehive. And he was hungry. And he wanted that honeycomb. So you know what he did? He took the honeycomb and he started eating it. Now my question is, how did he get it out? Right? Maybe, maybe it was with a stick. What is he doing if not playing operation with something he ultimately does not want to touch? He's getting so close that, you know, the, the nose on the line is going to start buzz, buzzing every time he gets a little too close with a stick. He's just flirting with disaster like this. So he made small concessions repeatedly. And I see Samson's ultimate departure from God's plan for his life long before he ever met Delilah. It was, was, it was when he didn't nip these little things in the bud. C.S. Lewis put it this way. Good and evil both increase at compound interest. And that's why the little decisions that you and I make every day are of such infinite importance. The smallest good act today is the, is the capture of a strategic point from which a, a few months later you may be able to go on to victories you never ever dreamed of. An apparently trivial indulgence in lust or lions or vineyards or anger today is the loss of a ridge, a railway line, or a bridgehead from which the enemy may launch an attack otherwise impossible. Wow. I really like C.S. Lewis. The devil isn't playing checkers. He's always playing chess. He always sees what he's doing in our life that's small as leading to something bigger. He knows once you said yes to this, it will be much harder for you to say no to that. 
because he'll be able to say to you, yeah, but you already did this. And he's captured that beachhead so he can attack up the hill. He's always trying to get to the high ground in our life, but not just evil is like this. Good is this way too. And if you're in a place right now where you've given up so much of what God wants for your life, you might feel a little bit discouraged, a little bit hopeless. Because from where you sit, looking to where you believe God wants you to be, and you will one day be, and you look at this tiny little seed that represents that first step, and you look at that far off vista where you believe God could get you to or to get you back to, and, and, and you just look at this. You see, this first step is, is nothing. It's so easy to despise the days of small things or to hate on humble beginnings. What is this first step? What is this first credit card payment I can make now on the debt that I'm trying to pay off? The, the debt seems so massive. The payment is so small. It makes no difference and what we make the mistake of doing is not planting anything because we don't think it's going to do something. It's, it's so true. And because we, we, we think it won't do everything, we won't do anything at all. But let me tell you something. Nothing can grow just sitting over here. It's not until, even though it's tiny, even though it seems minuscule, that we're willing to say, okay, no matter how tiny and pitiful it seems, I'm still going to do what I need to do, and I'm going to add the soil, and I'm going to take that small step. Listen to me carefully. Victory comes to those who can see past the seed. You see past the seed to the harvest that is locked up inside of one of these. So you take the first step. Take, take your next step. That's the first thing. You need to know that, that um, seeds start small, but secondly, seeds grow slow. Yeah, I know that it would be better grammatically if I said slowly, but then the rhythm would kind of be off. So uh, as you eventually start to see growth happening, again, you'll look at it and you go, come on. Wow, wow. That's so disappointing. Is that it? That's all? Wow, wow. That's not even real. Where's my magic beans? There are no magic beans. There's just faithfulness in the in-betweens. Faithfulness right here. This is where we need to focus. Between planting it and some life at all, that, that growing doesn't happen because some magic beam was planted. It happens because you are faithful right here to not uproot this one and to keep on every single day adding to the water, getting the sunlight, adding the water, getting the sunlight, getting the weeds out, keeping the insects away. That's it. Right here, it's the faithfulness in the in-betweens. That's not very sexy, is it? It'd be so much better to say, 
I've got a podcast that you can listen to. I've got three easy payments for $19.99. You can just listen to it while you sleep. How do you get to financial discipline? It's spending less than you earn, socking away savings, and being faithful and generous over time. They, these are the decisions that no one wants to make to get the results that everybody craves. And so when you look at the dysfunction that you've brought into your relationships, when you, when you look at the pain and the, and the difficulty that right now is in your life, you look at the slowness of the growth and what you'll be tempted to do is something that is it's just going to take you quickly from this to right here. Right? That's great. <laughs> look at that one. Yeah, that's some good results. And that's what we want. Fast results. Why? Because we got spoiled by the microwave, right? So we just want to go straight from this to this. Big plant. I'm good. Look at me. That's great. I'm holy now. I'm just like Jesus now. I gave the devil 20 years, but I've been a Christian for two weeks, and I want to see some instant growth. The same steps that got you in are going to get you out. It's that faithfulness to do something over time. And, and when you're not walking with Jesus, you are methodical about not walking with him. So it's going to take that same faithfulness over time to see new growth as well. So we live in this Amazon Prime world where we're hoping for drones to start delivering packages because even two days seems like it's just taken forever. And God doesn't work that way. God wants to cultivate patience long-suffering, and endurance. And if we're willing to commit to fight and to stay planted, it can change. Because you know what? The, the, the power comes from being planted. And an, an unpotted plant is not powerful. You need to be planted in good soil. So we have to be willing to trust this process. Because seeds grow slow. It's doing the hard yards. It's walking with, with Jesus. It's a long obedience in the same direction. It's waking up every day and making sure your heart gets the sunshine from God's presence. It's getting on your knees and praying. It's memorizing Scripture. It's fasting. It's gathering together with God's people. It's being repeatedly Generous in your time, your treasure, and your talent. It's finding a place to serve. It's using your gifts to build the church. It's finding good people to be with and then letting the iron sharpen the iron. It's opening yourself up to the slow growth. It's trusting the process. It's not having a need for instant gratification because that's what got us into this mess. And that's not going to get us out. We've got to trust the process of walking with Jesus. The same things that would have prevented many of the sexual scars is what's going to treat them. It's that careful living every 
day. What does God require of me today? What does his will look like for me today? What does love require of me in this situation? So, seeds start small and they grow slow, but good news into one. Eventually, seeds sprout out. They start small, they grow slow, but they do sprout out. And if you don't grow weary, you'll see a harvest if you don't lose heart, if you don't give up. Trust Him. Because we don't despise the days of the humble beginnings. So here, here, here's the application. They start small. We trust the process because seeds grow slow. Here's the thing on this one. It'll be worth it. It'll be worth it when it sprouts out. It'll be worth it when you see that God had inside that tiny seed was there from the very beginning. He was ultimately looking to the growth that, that is now possible, empowered by his partnership. And if you would just not give up today, because it's not instant. Don't, don't give up because it's not going to be just a weekend. It's not going to be just a month. His favor is for a lifetime. You're fighting today for a future that God has for you. It'll be worth it. Isaiah 60, 22 says, In its time, I'll do it swiftly. It's not going to be a quick fix. But in its time, it seems like he's taking forever, right? This, this in-between time, I want some magic beans. And God says, just do the hard work in between to get from here, where we are, to here, where God wants us to be. And isn't that how it is when it comes to growing stuff? For the longest time, we think nothing's happening. And, and, then, and then if you do see something, it, it's just this tiny little thing, inconsequential. And then when we're almost not even paying attention anymore, you discover what God wanted to do. And next thing you know, you sprout out. When did this life happen? When did this growth happen? When did that healing happen? My memories aren't what they used to be. When, when, when did me becoming more like Jesus happen? When did I start to experience this power and this vitality? When did I begin to flourish? When did I grow? I don't remember it. It's when you weren't focusing on you, but you were eyes up on Jesus. It's when you were just waking up every day and saying, I want today to be a day where I'm a living sacrifice. I want today to be a day where I'm being transformed by the renewing of my mind. You know what? I can't control when they don't forgive me. I can't control when my kids don't call. I can't control that. But you know what? I'm not going to mourn for what I've lost. I'm going to change the things I can right here. I'm going to strengthen the things that remain right in front of me. I'm going to be faithful here, and I'm going to grow here, some life right here, and I'm going to grow some fruit from the Holy Spirit right here. 
We have to come to a place where we're willing to beautify this space, the in-betweens, to beautify this, to, to, to just do with, with these spaces over here, even when it seems like nothing's working. And I'm no botanist, okay, no surprise, but I'm constantly intrigued by God and his creation. And I'm kind of a nature uh, documentary enthusiast. I think it all started with a guy named Marlon Perkins. Anybody remember Marlon Perkins? Marlon Perkins in Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. That was my gateway nature show drug. Anyway, the Himalayan lily, not our Stouffville lily, but the Himalayan lily, it starts out like an, kind of an unassuming pile of leaves, a clump, you know, like this one. The only growth you get is this, and it stays here for five to seven years. Five to seven years. Keep getting the water, keep getting the sunshine, but it's not working. It's not working. I'm not seeing it. Nothing is happening. But here's the beauty of the Himalayan lily, and here's the beauty of the Christian life. Progress isn't always visible. And not seeing it isn't the same as it not working. Because the Himalayan lily has a genetic code that God put inside of it. And it sits seemingly dormant for five to seven years. And then, boom, all of a sudden, as though a bell has gone off, it jumps up to over three meters, ten feet tall, and it starts to shoot out trumpet-shaped flowers that are beautiful to anybody who sees them. And I'll just tell you, right now, from where you sit with your eyes poked out and your head shaved, believing right now for the impossible, just keep going. Just keep dreaming. Just keep fighting. Just keep following because it will be worth it. You will sprout out. God has a plan for you. There's, only, there's a beautiful story that will only be revealed through you. So that's why we say commit your life to Jesus and follow him. Pray with me. Thank you, Jesus, that just like the walls of Jericho that didn't come down incrementally, there was a lot of days when it seemed like, what is going on? A lot of laps where it seemed like nothing was working. I pray that you would help us to have that kind of patience with you, to not grow weary, to not give up knowing that what's happening to the ground in our hearts, what, what you're working on, transforming. We are committing ourselves to the reconciliation that's possible because of Jesus. We're believing you for that harvest of righteousness in us. We're trusting you. And because of that trust, we're not going to give up. We're going to continue to follow you, trusting for what will come and what will sprout. Thank you for being involved and active in our lives. We look forward to seeing what that will look like this week as once again we answer that question, what does love require of me right now?